You know, we live in a world of convenience, and what is more convenient than a delivery, right? Especially when you're talking about a delivery from Molly's Liquors. It's really easy to do. Just go to mollyspirits.com, hit the contact tab, and then go to on-demand delivery. They offer same-day delivery in the Denver and Greenwood Village area. And depending on your location, they might even be able to have your order delivered within the hour. Simply log into their website or app to determine where you are within their delivery zone to ensure you order from the correct location. And not only does Molly's want their deliveries to be convenient, they also want it to be affordable. Molly's delivers you beer, wine, or liquor for a flat fee of only $5 with a minimum purchase of $29.99. And there's more if you use the coupon code Hello, Molly, through the end of April, you get free delivery, convenient and free. Now that is a win-win. Molly Spirits, a land of adult beverage discovery. Well, it's a new year, and you know what that means, right? You put everything together, you put things in order, and if you need a personal injury lawyer but just don't know exactly who to turn to, we can help you with that. Now, I've been talking about Dan Capitalist Law for years. That's because I am a true believer in Dan's commitment to his clients. He's been practicing law for 41 years, and he's been litigating all types of injury cases throughout his career. And I'm talking about anything from wrongful death to truck and car accidents to multiple cases of hospital negligence. Dan has won millions of dollars for his clients. He's, first of all, a good man. He's fearless and proven. But Dan Kaplan's Law also doesn't strive to gain as many clients as they can because that's not how Dan does business. Every one of his clients receive personal attention and the full benefit of his vast experience and resources. So give Dan Kaplan's Law a call or put this phone number somewhere you can find it. 303-770-5551. You can call Dan for a free consultation or go to dancaplislaw.com and read testimonials and much more about Dan's record-setting cases. Dan Kaplis Law, a serious firm for serious cases. This week on the Dave Logan Podcast, the controversy of going forward on fourth down. I'm a fan of Dan Campbell's. I think you could make a cogent argument that he should have kicked the one in the third quarter to go up by 17 points. What happened to the Ravens' offense? Whether they told him to or whether Lamar made the decision that he all of a sudden was going to be a pocket passer, I could not understand what the hell the Ravens were doing on offense. And how will the 49ers' defense match up against Patrick Mahomes? If they play the way they did, For most of that game, Kansas City's offense is going to be on the field the majority of the Super Bowl. This is the Dave Logan Podcast. And welcome to the Dave Logan Podcast. Dave Logan and Julie Brownman back at it. Podcast number 199. We appreciate uh, everybody listening, downloading, and uh, hopefully enjoying. 199. 199. Dangerously close to 200. I thought I was going to make us mugs for our 200th. I've yet to get on. Yeah, mugs. Like coffee mugs? Yeah. That just... Okay. <laughs> okay, no. Well, we have a small budget, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What did you want? Mug is fine. I okay. love coffee mugs. I drink okay. a lot of coffee. So when I travel, I get coffee mugs from where I travel. Because when I then come home and I have a cup of coffee in that mug, it reminds me of my great trip. Seems uh, fitting, right? It doesn't like seem it? like a smart thing to do. Yeah. What do you get when you go and you travel? Do you ever pick up like magnets? Suntan. Or, uh, or you no, you know, no, I don't. No, I mean, 
Um, is that a woman thing? I mean, I used to like would when Cassidy was younger. I would I would buy if she was not with me, I would buy uh, some sort of uh, something that she would know. But and she would do the same thing because she's actually traveled more than I have. Uh-huh. So, but no, I, I I never thought about the mugs. But I'm I'm all about coffee. So yeah, sounds I know. like a good idea. I know. Well, this weekend, um, God. That was a tough one. That Detroit game, we'll talk about both games, but I feel like the whole entire country was rooting for Detroit. I was rooting for Detroit. Were you rooting for Detroit? No. Really? No. Although I like the Detroit story very much. And I like um I like what Dan Campbell has done there. I think he's done just a phenomenal job. And and the story has been uh really cool for a lot of reasons. I mean, the city has been down the lions have been awful for a long long time and in a three-year span i mean he has been at the the point of resurrecting that franchise so i mean i was rooting for cal shanahan and john lynch and uh, a few of the guys out there that i know but had detroit won that game and, and honestly they probably should have then i would have been rooting for detroit to beat kansas city Oh, for sure. Where do you weigh in on Dan Campbell's getting just a massive amount of grief uh, this morning and after the game about going for it a couple times on fourth down and and being maybe too aggressive? I think I think uh, two things can be true simultaneously. So those who come down to the side of of listen, that's how Dan Campbell has coached the entire year. He's been aggressive. Uh, they had twenty five times they went for it on fourth down and three or less, and they were successful 20 times. That's 80%. So I I get the loyalty, and I get the fact that he was showing confidence in his team, and I get the fact that that's what he did all year. But I've got to be honest about it, especially the second one. You know, you're down three with seven and 720 or so to go. And you've got a 48-yard field goal to tie it. I think you make that kick. Now, listen, maybe he just deep down, maybe he didn't have confidence in the kicker. Maybe. Mm-hmm. But I think you tie it up, you kick it off, and then the pressure's on the Niners, right? The pressure's on San Francisco in a tie game. I mean, they got to get a couple of first downs at the very least so they can flip the field because they really didn't, uh, they didn't stop Detroit much all game. Detroit stopped themselves. So I would I, I would have definitely kicked the uh, the late field goal, and I think you could make a case after the Niners drove down and Detroit held them to a field goal. It's twenty four ten. Detroit drives, and that would have been that would have been about a forty five forty six yard field goal to go up by seventeen in the third. I mean, you're not only at that point, you're not only playing the Niners, you're playing the clock. Mm-hmm. And anybody that says, well, you know what, you just don't worry about the clock, you don't look at it, you play you play that series, you play to win, you play to score. Okay, a certain amount of that is true. But, I mean, I think realistically, and I'm a fan of Dan Campbell's, I think you could make a cogent um, argument that he should have kicked the, the one in the third quarter as well. To go up by 17 points. I mean, time, you know, that's about uh, like 10 to go. Maybe, I don't know. No, less than 10 to go in the third. Probably seven to go in the third. You're down 17 points at that point if you're San Francisco. Does that change 
anything you do. I think it does. It probably takes you know the running game completely out, and you put a lot of pressure on Brock Purdy, who was really good in the second half. They were up 24 to 7, 17 points up at halftime. What kind of um, impact does that make when you're, you are cruising and have kind of a meltdown? What kind of impact does that make to the organization? Or can that be easily forgotten? And No, I, no, no, no. I, I don't think it's easily forgotten. I mean, they were, you know, they were 30 minutes of football away from going to their first Super Bowl mm-hmm. and had a 17-point lead, right? And, and again, San Francisco... Um, I had a hard time figuring out what San Francisco was doing on defense, to tell you the truth. But we'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, but Detroit was really good. They ran the ball. I mean, they just bludgeoned them inside with the running game. And Goff was good. The receivers were good in the first half. Um, and and really, had uh, Jameer Gibbs not slipped down on the screen pass, they're probably going to score on that one, too, right before halftime. So instead of being head. 24 to 7 it's going to be 28 to 7 but you know things like that happen and I think you credit San Francisco for hanging in there and you credit the offense of the Niners for getting a few things going and being able to score and I said Brock Purdy was really good in the second half I mean Detroit's receivers dropping balls you know it's one thing to to blame Dan Campbell and a lot of people have and I think when you're the head coach and you make the decision to not uh, kick the field goal I think then, you know, you're the guy that has to stand at the podium and take take the criticism. But, I mean, receivers dropping balls that they have to catch should have caught, and they didn't. Before we switch over to the Chiefs game, what did you want to say about the defense? Of San Francisco? Mm-hmm. I think they can't, for some reason, seemingly generate a pass rush with four. Back when they went to the Super Bowl a few years ago and they played the, they played the Chiefs again, uh, in that game, they were able to generate a lot of pressure with that front four. The front four is not not getting home. So they're playing primarily a lot of zone coverages behind it. And I mean, I, you know, I, I thought Detroit just completely dominated the first half. And I wonder, you know, when the Super Bowl happens 13 days from now, uh, I, I think Steve Wilkes has got to approach Patrick Mahomes and Kansas City's offense a little bit differently. I think they have to give them some things that that they haven't shown them. He's way too good. He's a lot better quarterback than Jared Goff, who had an excellent year. Um, they will never get Kansas City off the field if they play from a, I think, from a strategy standpoint, a concept standpoint, and if they play the way they did uh, for most of that game, Kansas City's offense is going to be on the field the majority of the Super Bowl. Are you going? I am not. Are you going? No, I'm not. Well, I was in Vegas. I thought maybe you'd go. Well, I mean, normally I go to Vegas uh, just to hang out with a bunch of friends and we watch the Super Bowl. But because uh-huh. the Super Bowl is there, rooms are expensive, a tad bit uh, more difficult to get. So you looked into it? Well, because that's where the crew goes right. for all the Super Bowls. So the crew of which, you know, I take marching orders. The crew said, we are not going to be able to pull this off, (laughs) not with a group of like 40. Let me take a minute and talk about one of our favorite sponsors, the Colorado State Patrol. If you are looking to make a career change, and maybe this year, why not do it with the CHP? The Colorado State Patrol is currently hiring for the port of entry. 
Now, what exactly does that mean? Well, port of entry officers are responsible for clearing commercial vehicles at the port of entry uh, by weighing vehicles using fixed or portable scales via computer terminals. Where will you work? There are nine locations around the state and also a $1,500 bonus with your final offer and another $1,500 after completing one year of service. So the question, what are you waiting for? Just visit csp.colorado.gov backslash employment for all the details and information to apply. The Colorado State Patrol, play for a winning team. All right, let me take a minute and talk to you about one of our favorite sponsors, which, of course, is Steel. We love them because not only do they make the most powerful and dependable chainsaws in the world, but they also have so many products to make your life a lot easier. And don't we look for that from time to time? Take, for example, the SEA-20 battery-powered vacuum. Now, both Julie and I have this handheld vacuum, and believe me when I say we both love it, with all of the attachments you can get to those hard-to-reach places. Even if you have long arms, sometimes that's tough, right? Whether it's under the refrigerator or in the corner, underneath the bed, or vacuuming those drawers, the SEA 20 vacuum can do it all. Weighing, check this out, just under three pounds with the battery. This lightweight, quiet vacuum is really easy to maneuver in those tight spaces around the house, plus a rubberized grip makes it comfortable to hold while you work. There is no excuse anymore not to clean those hard-to-reach places because now Steel makes it really easy to do. Just go to SteelUSA.com to check it out and look at all those other dependable and innovative products that Steel makes. Steel, S-T-I-H-L, top rated for a reason. So if you listened to the podcast last week, you heard this. You can go broke betting against Patrick Mahomes. Ravens are a three-point favorite at home. Would I be surprised if the Chiefs win? I absolutely would not. That soundbite was you basically saying you're gonna, you can go broke betting against the Chiefs, even though the game was in Baltimore and Baltimore was rolling. You're, that is, that's going to be a tough team to beat. Although I thought Baltimore was flat and cocky. What about that guy Flowers? Oh, my God. What a terrible game. Rookie. Rookie. I, I didn't think they were flat. Um, I thought they were very predictable in the first half, mm-hmm. defensively. I mean, I th- they 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 wanted to keep Mahomes in the pocket. They they are they are a heavy zone team. They don't play a lot. They don't lock you up. Play a lot of man to man, and that's what they did in the first half. And Kansas City pretty much did what they want to. Now credit to Baltimore and Mike McDonald, the DC. They changed in the second half. Right, they brought more pressure. I thought the pressure was a little more creative. They locked up in the back end. And if you want to look at it favorably, you would say Baltimore's defense held Kansas City over the last three quarters of the AFC Championship game to three points. Yeah, but the first quarter, they let Kansas City drive up and down the field. And um, and then, you know, let's get to the Ravens' offense. Baltimore led the league in rushing. They they handed the ball off to a running back in that game. It's either five or six times. I went back and counted. I mean, I thought the game plan for the Ravens, and Todd Monken, the new offensive coordinator, has given a lot of credit this year, rightfully so, because Lamar Jackson has had a great year. He's going to win the MVP. But they, they didn't try to run the ball 
They got completely away from that. And whether they told him to or whether Lamar made the decision that he all of a sudden was going to be a pocket passer for the entire game, I I could not understand what the hell the Ravens were doing on offense. Now, you say, well, given all that, you know, if Trey Flowers doesn't fumble the ball going into the end zone, it's 17-14 at that point. Maybe there's a little more pressure on Kansas City, but um, I, I, I'm not so sure Baltimore's not the better team. But again, as I said last week, and I didn't say you can go broke betting against the Chiefs. I said you can go broke betting against Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. That, that guy, um, and I said this last week on the show too, you know, I've seen a lot of NFL football, played it, have called games for a long time, followed the league before I played. I'm not so sure he's not the best quarterback I've ever seen. Oh, God. I mean, I'm really, honestly, and that, I'm not, that's not hyperbolic. I mean, honestly, I mean, he is so good at everything. He can avoid the rush. He doesn't take sacks. He can run for a first down when he needs to. He's accurate. He's got a strong arm. I mean, this guy, and he, and, and he never, you just don't think of him as when you get the Chiefs in a big moment, you don't worry that he's going to shrink and not play very well. And I thought Lamar did just that. I thought the moment, for whatever the reason, I thought the moment appeared too big for the Ravens offense and for Lamar Jackson in particular. It was just crazy because it was a it was a home game. And there was a part of me as a Bronco fan from years ago that was at the Baltimore game in Denver that was like, see how that feels? Yeah. Ravens fans. Okay, let's get let's talk a little bit more about Mahomes. It is do you find it difficult as a you're the Broncos play by play person, but you also want them to do well to see Kansas City and Mahomes flourish like that? No. No, that that really didn't bother me. It really doesn't. Uh, and part of it is, I mean, I think he's everything. Um, I mean, what else would you want a superstar quarterback in this case to be? Like off the field. Oh, I know. You, you don't, I mean, you don't, you, this, this guy's never going to be in trouble. It's never going to be, I mean, he's a team guy. He says the right things. He's got great leadership qualities. Um. And he's just a fabulous player. So, no, I, I find it impossible to root against him, except when the Broncos play the Chiefs. Where's his ceiling? Because we've seen a lot of great things from him. How much better can he get? And where, where would that be? Where would you imagine that would be? I, well, I mean, I mean we, maybe he's... Because maybe he's, uh, he's only 28. Maybe he's, he's at the ceiling like right now. I don't. I mean, I don't know. They're going to play in the Super Bowl in Vegas in 13 days. Mm-hmm. That'll be the fourth time they've played in the Super Bowl in the last five years. That stretch of success has only happened twice, two other times, in in NFL history where a team has gone to four out of five. Right. right the, the Bills went to four straight. That didn't work out very well. And the uh, Patriots uh, have gone to four. In five years as well. So that, I mean, you're, you're talking about uncommonly good, uncommonly great play. And this was the year. What, what's troubling, I think, from Baltimore's standpoint is you're never going to get a better opportunity. 
I mean, you got a home game. You've got the MVP. You have Baltimore just embarrassed a lot of good teams this year. I mean, Baltimore went to San Francisco and in a game that both teams really wanted to win. I mean, they thoroughly dominated the 49ers. They beat a lot of really good teams handily. And then they go out and cannot figure out what they're doing on offense, why they would not. I mean, part of what I thought would be the success of the Ravens against Kansas City was their ability to run it with power, with physicality, and thus stay on the field. And when you do that, you keep number 15 off the field. Instead, I thought they panicked. I really did. I mean, Kansas City went down, scored, um, and then Baltimore, uh, a couple series later, tied it up 14-7. Then Kansas City scored. Um, and then and then the strip sack of Lamar and Kansas City uh, scored in that series, but they had a holding call, had to settle for had to settle for a field goal. But I thought Baltimore got out of character way, way, way too soon. They're only ten points down at halftime. When you're watching this games, did you think about the Broncos and where they were at all in any comparison to this? You can't really even compare the Broncos to Kansas City, or it's just depressing. Well, what what I did think, and you and I've talked about this. Um, it's pretty apparent that this is a quarterback-driven league, and you cannot win at at that level, or even aspire to get to that level, unless you get one of what I call those guys. Mm-hmm. Kansas City has it. I mean, Lamar, even though it was disappointing yesterday, they have it. Cincinnati has it, but they're they're you know they're only a handful of teams. Everybody else is in the same boat. I mean, some are a little bit you know, more advanced than others, but but everybody else is looking for one of those guys. And the Broncos, that's where they are in my mind. They've got to find somebody that they can build around, that they can win with at the quarterback position. And it has to start, I think, this upcoming year. When we we taped the game, the show before Jim Harbaugh was named the coach of the Chargers, when that happened, did you think, I did, I think, mm, that's not very good news. The Broncos? Why? Because I think he's a decent coach. Oh, I think, I think he's, he's an excellent coach. Yeah. So I. But, but you got, I mean, you got to want to like, uh, you know, you got to want to say, okay. You got to want to like compete. Did you see the team last year, the, the Broncos team? Yeah, I saw them beat the Chargers twice. Okay. Saw them beat the Chargers. No, I think Harbaugh's a really good coach. Mm-hmm. They've got a lot of work ahead of them there. But yeah. they do have one of those guys in Justin Herbert, which I think is the single biggest reason that Harbaugh took that job. Yeah. I mean, he could have had any of the jobs available. But I think when you look at Justin Herbert and you say, okay, and the contract's already been renegotiated, they've got salary cap issues, they're going to have to, and they're not very tough. That will change, I promise you. But um, yeah, I mean, they got they got better, no doubt about it. So I covered Harbaugh when he was at USD, before he got weird. No, he was he was still a little bit. He recruited... Um, here, uh, me being a high school coach, Jim came in and recruited one of, one of our players uh-huh. and I got to sit and talk with him and I mean, nice enough. I mean, very smart, but even a little quirky then. Like, give me an example of when just you're sitting a, around just with Just a little bit, a little bit different. Like, was he start barking in the middle of your conversation? No, that would happened? be, that would be more like, that would be really different. <laughs> okay. Um, no, just, you know. I can't, I don't know if I could quantify it, but I just remember when he left thinking, A, really smart football guy, 
B, appreciate the fact that, you know, the head coach of the University of San Diego is out on the recruiting trail uh-huh. and he got one of my very, very good players. Mm-hmm. But I just felt like, man, he's, he's just, a, you know, just a little bit of a different dude. Right. I mean, when you go out, when you date, if you on a one to 10, you, you'd be able to say like, you know, really good guy. It, it, does it ever pop up where it's like, mm, really good guy. He He's just, I don't know. He's just a little different. Yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. So now, how would you quantify that? Well, Jim Harbaugh has his looks going for him first. So if I was, was a date, it'd be like, okay, he's cute. So he can be a little more weird. Okay. Does that make sense? Sure. It's like you guys is in your, every guy will understand this. I think your crazy factor, like, and women, like you guys can tolerate women. This is what I've heard. If they're hot, really hot, even if they're crazy. Am I right? I would push back on that, but yeah, I mean, like really crazy. Yeah, but really hot. Doesn't matter. Really? No. Like really crazy? No. No, does not matter. So you liked Harbaugh. Was he good to interview? He was great. He was really good to interview. And it wasn't like he wasn't, there wasn't a ton of people going out to, you know, it was, it was University of San Diego. Yeah. Yeah. So he was, he was good to deal with. Before I let you go, what did you make of the, over the weekend, the Nuggets played Philadelphia and Embiid like right before they're supposed to tip off. The trainers apparently come out like, oh, you look a little, oh, we don't like this. So he didn't play. It, It is, it is a horrible look for him, for the Sixers and for the league. It just, it just stinks. Um, and he hadn't played in Denver since 2019. Jeez, that so, is terrible. you know what? To not be on the injured list at all. I mean, normally, if there's anything even remotely bothering you physically, you go on the injured list. Not on the injured list, and then the decision is made. And here's what irks me even more. You have people at ESPN that absolutely cover for this dude. Um, and and I, I, I guess I understand it because they have to continue, you know, to placate. Um, they got to be able to interview at times that, uh, you know, they play to the East Coast a lot more than they play to our, uh, our time zone out here. But come on, man. I mean, come on. I mean, you're, you're, you're covering for a guy. How about just saying, man, listen, I'm disappointed. Why was he not on the injured list? And this looks like he doesn't want to play Jokic in Denver. But if you look at his recent past, he doesn't play other big-time opponents on the road. He plays them in Philly. So I just think it's a really bad look for the league, and there is no way in my book, I don't have an MVP vote But there's no way in my book that this dude should be the MVP this year. I heard a stat that I thought was interesting that I think he's missed 11 games and nine of those games have been against opponents that were in playoff contention. He's missing tonight uh, in Portland, which I think, you know, may be just as much about, hey, we're taking a lot of heat about Denver. It's going to look really bad if on Monday you go out and play against Portland when you couldn't play in Denver on Saturday afternoon. Yeah. How about we just set this one out? But that knocks the number down to either four or five games that he can miss for the remainder of the season. Because if he misses more than that, then he's ineligible for the MVP 
uh, award. I think so much has been made of this. I'd be embarrassed if you were an MVP voter. I would too. I, and you I, voted for I'd him. I'd be embarrassed if I'm him. Yeah. I, I would be. I would be embarrassed if I'm him. You know, he already hadn't played here since 2019, right? He played against Jokic, played well in Philadelphia. Come to Denver. If I've got something minor, that's gonna. And he has had some knee issues. Okay, but if I've got something minor, you best believe I'm gonna play. Because I'm not going to hear from anybody. Oh, so you? What are you ducking? I'm not ducking anybody. So, but I, I mean, I tune in, you know, watch the game. I'm like, you got, you got to be kidding me. I feel bad for those people that paid a lot of money to. And then he's waving to the crowd. You know, just, I mean, where did he go to school? I don't know. Where did he go to school? Same place you did. We are embarrassed. The Jayhawks. As a nation, we are embarrassed. You graduated from Kansas. We are embarrassed. I'm embarrassed, and I never say that about Jayhawks. I'm embarrassed. Yeah. Well, I'm sure that'll that'll bring him to his mouth. <laughs> right? Once he hears that you're embarrassed, there'll be a mea culpa coming right quick. Well, if you say it like that, yeah. I should be more than that. Uh, David, I will see you next week. All right, boy.